Just imagine a world where you will hold your entire future in the palm of your hand, when a tiny glowing crystal will guide you through an existence in which each day is more wonderful than the last, where it will be possible for you to obtain the fulfillment of every fantasy, the satisfaction of every vanity, the absolute attainment of every wish. Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer presents the Saul David production of Logan's Run. A fantastic journey through a world beyond imagination. Welcome to the 23rd century. The perfect world of total pleasure. Imagine a world in which you need never be alone. You touch a switch, turn a dial, and the perfect lover steps into your arms. Every pleasure is yours to experience. Runner! There's just one catch. When the tiny crystal in the palm of your hand flashes its final message, your time is up. Michael York is Logan. Run, Logan! Policeman in a perfect world. No! Trained to track down runners. Run, Logan! Until he is forced to run himself. friend i understand we all go crazy once in a while but she's a runner and it's over box an incredible being more than human more than machine diabolical guardian of the gateway to freedom or logan and the woman who loves him like that before. That must be the look of, of being old. MGM takes you into a new age of adventure in the first motion picture of the 23rd century. Logan's Run. It begins where imagination ends. everyone, and welcome once again to GeekFest France. My name is Carlos Perón. I am joined here today with James. Hi. Who will be telling us a little bit about one of his old sci-fi favorite films called Logan's Run. Now, let's keep in mind, this is pre-Star Wars, only by one year, and visually there's going to be a big difference between these films. Even though it's not up to the quality of a Star Wars type of film, for its time, it was one of the big sci-fi you know, entries in that genre. It's no 2001, nothing could be a 2001, but 
it definitely, you know, deserves a place in the evolution of the science fiction film genre. James, why don't you tell us a little bit about, you know, where the heck this came from? Well, I saw this in the theater in 1976. I'm kind of proud of that because I actually like this movie a lot. I like the music. I like the look of it. I like the atmosphere and Michael York. And it was, like you said, a big movie. This was a big MGM movie of the year. And sci-fi, while most of the things before Star Wars were kind of weak in the sci-fi area in the movie business because they really didn't know how to handle it. They didn't know their audience. And that's what made Star Wars so special. But besides that, it was a very big movie. It was based on a book by William F. Nolan. And the book is quite different. There's actually three books, three Logan books, but they're very different. In the movie version, people, because of overpopulation or war or famine, we don't really know exactly. The book gets into some stuff. But like I said, let's keep it with the movie. People are expected to live only till 30 And that was their way of controlling, you know, the population. And to do that, there was, instead of just, you know, exterminating people, which is kind of what they did, but they made it more of a... um, a religious type experience or a, spe- a lottery type experience. And upon your 30th birthday, you would celebrate Carousel. You and would send to the next phase of yeah. your life. And you would, you would go to Carousel and you would hope to renew. And audiences would go a lot like a Roman Coliseum and cheer you on in helping you get to your next level of your evolution. And I guess by renew, maybe it's a reincarnation type thing or you're on a different plane. And but, people are happy about this. Yeah, it's, it's an exciting time. It's like going to a ball game. It's a lot of, you know, festival atmosphere. And that's how the movie starts, showcasing this special event. And up until then, there's different levels of society. Each age range has a different color, and it's signified by a crystal on the palm. And the color your crystal is signifies your age in general, and then it changes as you progress to the point where it starts blinking, and that's it. Your time is done. In the book, the age was 21. It had some different connotations. I think it had, when it was written, it was probably around the time of the 60s and you know it didn't necessarily have anything to do from what i understand exactly like don't trust anybody over 30 type of stuff but <laughs> it was more of a youth oriented society and there was you know connotations about that so in the movie michael york plays logan he's logan 5 they tend to have a number designation as if okay after logan 5 there'll be a new logan logan 6 there's no parents children are we're to guess created in test tubes or at the very least if they're conceived in some way by a real egg donor and sperm donor they don't know you know who each other are right they hope you know there's comments about oh i she could be a wonderful mother to logan six or whatever he makes a couple jokes early on he shows curiosity of oh that's interesting you know but it turns out let me just say logan is what we would call a police officer except he's called a sandman sandman and that's they're they're responsible for keeping general order and also when people who are supposed to go to carousel choose not to they're called runners and the Sandman's job is to put the runners to sleep. And they they show that, and it's pretty interesting. It sounds like a retirement in Blade Runner. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's an exciting movie how they show it, because there's this guy who, while they're actually at Carousel, they get notification that somebody is planning to run. And they go looking for him and they, you know, they chase him. It's a little cat and mouse type thing. And they finally get him 
and blast him. And, you know, he gets swept up and the body's gone. And it's like it never happened. Right. This completely disintegrate the person. Yeah. There's a process where Cleaning like- Cleaning crew a, comes in. A robot comes and puts a uh, spray. The movie's also very visually, obviously, because it's a sci-fi, big, visually striking presentation. And one of the things that aligns itself with these different periods of time in people's lives, it's the color of their light yeah. matches the color of their clothing. Yeah. It seems that that was just a, a way they to show the wardrobe to make it interesting. The ladies wear this sexy kind of outfit that's right. very revealing, no bras. It looked like uh, maybe these little little ballet shoes. And the guys would wear these cheesy tight pants and tunics or something. So it wasn't, the, yeah, so the way that they- A lot, these, of, open, lot of open yeah, open chests and stuff like that. Very, 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 70s, very, very typical 70s sci-fi type of clothing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A lot of, uh, not sequins, but very shiny but that kind of polyester type of stuff. From what I've read, the society was supposed to have very few cares because it was- controlled in such a way basically the people their job was to enjoy each other's company in right. a friendly way there's hot tubs there's something called a love shop for uh, meeting up right. with some it's interesting people all types of uh, like drugs sex recreation any type of enjoyment yeah. it's encouraged and I guess the creators of this society figure well if we keep the people happy they won't question that they have to die at 30 so it kind of gives it an interesting little overtone it has also a, a little bit of a brave new world vibe to it of yeah. that kind of society where it's so controlled that it's completely free and and, and there is a, a there is a little section where drugs are a part of it because there's a little relaxing session in the evening in the Sandman's apartment and Francis, his friend Richard Jordan, shows up with some ladies and they throw some type of green pill into the air. Yeah, and everything and is like, like everybody gets a little, uh, a little psychedelic. But going back to those colors we talked about, from what I understand, you know, it's clear when you're born that stone on your hand, the crystal, and then at the age of eight, it turns yellow and so do your clothing. You're wearing yellow. So the characters you see running around in yellow costumes are supposed to be eight years old or older. Then at 16, you get green. Your palm changes, you know, the crystal changes to green. At 23, you get red, which means this is your last cycle, if you will. Yeah. This is your final cycle before 30. Yeah, and then if you're into red, you're like a red two. They would say, you won't say you're 28 you know, or 29 or 22, whatever right. it is. And you're, as you get really close to the end, it'll start to blink yeah. red. And then you go to carousel. And it's a weird thing. This means more now to present day society. Back then, you figure when somebody was 30, they seemed like they were more like 40 or 50. Now, when you're 40 or 50, you seem more like you're 30. And in there, it was an interesting dynamic. People would go to uh, plastic surgeons and they didn't call them that. They called them the new you. And people would go and get a new face. Now, sometimes it would be exploited by people who were planning to run. They would change their identity or something. But if but, not, why? If you Vanity? Yeah, it seemed like vanity. I guess it's part of the whole, like the recreation thing. So the, a twenty-five-year-old wants to look more well, like that's a the imp that's the impression you get. Year old? Now, if you if you see the movie, you know I think Michael York looks older than. 30. In fact, yeah. his character wasn't even supposed to be 30. And Richard Jordan he, also. Yeah, these guys were probably supposed to be like 26. Now, it's always like the old thing. And nowadays, they hire people who are age appropriate. They look but even as like recent as 90210, they're hiring like 30-year-olds to play high school kids. You know, Luke Perry's got sideburns and uh, you know, he didn't look anything like a teenager. But that's a different story. But anyway, so to follow up on the story, Logan comes across one of these runners. He takes some information. The police are supposed to go and I guess file a report. And during the filing... And 
and the police look very different. Their group, they're identifiable. Yeah, they black outfit. They have a special they have costume they really wear. Really great gun. They which, stick out from the crowd for in sure. In a lot of ways, it looks like a carpenter level with a little handle on it, and I always loved it. And a muscle flash when they shoot when they actually yeah, trigger it. Yeah, it. like a little flash. It's not really a laser. I guess it had some right. sort of more of an explosive or electrical charge. Yeah. So Logan does the interrogation after you know he follows up and he gets questioned about one of the items that he picked up, which is called an ankh, which is a real symbol, a real Greek symbol. And it's a little charm that somebody would either have in their pocket or wear on a necklace. He gets questioned about it. Does he know what it is? He obviously doesn't. And it turns out it's a symbol for the runners. I think an ankh signifies life in real Egyptian culture. I think that's what an ankh signifies. And the computer gets him to participate in this investigation that he doesn't really understand what he's getting into. And the computer adds years onto him, in effect, making him a runner. And they want him to become a runner to probably investigate where are these people going? How can we stop this? Right, in I a way su- to become suppose. like an undercover yeah. Cop. So now suddenly he has to play the part of a runner. Infiltrate. And them. that's how he gets involved with Jessica. They run into each other earlier. It was the one of the runners that he killed was a friend of hers. But then it turns out she gets a little sympathetic with him because she realizes, well, yeah, I guess he's going to run. So she kind of is going to turn him in. But then they form a little bond and they both go on the run. And thus begins Logan's run. So it then becomes a little bit of a uh, chase movie. So he's got to go and figure out, well, where are these runners going? What is a sanctuary? Sanctuary could be, you know, a magical place where people go and they can live longer than 30. We, right. we They don't really have much concept of that, but it must be someplace else, they figure, in, you know, a different part of the city or uh, they don't really know. They're, they're living in this domed environment. It's very uh, sterile. In fact, it was filmed in a very modern looking mall in Dallas, which still exists. You could actually go to a lot of, <laughs> it's probably changed a little bit. But a lot of the water formations that you see and uh, some of the uh, lobby areas that you see for carousel and stuff were actually a mall. So when they're on the run, Logan is still playing the part of the good cop. And when he thinks he gets to a location that could be sanctuary and they're entertaining him and they're going to let him into it, he gives off a signal on his, you know, yeah, he's like, okay, come on, get it, guys. Let's, and let's go. That, that gets the Sandman. All right, let's go. And it turns out that this wasn't sanctuary and there's a lot of violence a lot of people die and coincidentally in this scene and the the scene right before an early role for uh charlie's angels farrah fawcett Fawcett, right and obviously she's very pretty so everybody knows her is either charlie's angels and there oh there's there she is but you know she winds up getting killed so (laughs) it, it was a quick role Plus, at this point, he's starting to now get a little concerned because of the fact that they come in and basically massacre everybody. Yeah, it's it's and it's, and he and I he think, has to continue to right. go because he realizes, uh oh, he didn't know that he had to go forward when he gave the right, little signal. Right, we're not done yet. So they tell him, "You continue this way and always go up." Well, it turns out in the melee, he and Jessica wind up on a freight type elevator, which goes down. Whether it's a malfunction, it's set up that way, and he winds up going down to this frigid area which is a little weird it's almost like they're going into like an ice cave an eskimo type uh, yeah, area yeah, yeah, yeah. and they're walking around and they're greeted by this robotic creature called box and it's a little weird also because it's a year before star wars and oh. this this robot looks like a guy something that are lost in space yeah it looks like a guy in a uh um, aluminum foil type <laughs> costume and his arms are moving like the robot from lost in space and he talks silly but it, you know it's like roscoe lee brown doing this robot voice but anyway besides the fact that it's a silly looking robot it goes from being ridiculously silly to creepy 
yeah, weird. Because he wants them to get nude. Well, their clothes are wet, so I guess you want them to be comfortable. <laughs> and they, they should take their thin, wet, sexy clothes off and a, put on these uh, bare skin robes. In a robotic voice. Be so, able to take off your clothes. So I'm a, yeah, so I'm, I'm a youngster seeing this movie for the first time in 1976, which makes me probably, at the time, I was like uh, eight years, seven or eight years. <laughs> I'm like seven or eight years old, depending on when I saw this. And there's boobs, <laughs> you know. So I wasn't really looking at. Uh, I know. I know there's something for but, the ladies. But, I think you see Logan's, from, Logan's buttocks, but aside from the count of very inappropriately unusual nudity or sexual themes for a PG film, which we will be talking about in a few minutes. It's bizarre the fact that this robot is telling him to do these things, and the robot looks so fake, like you said before. The costume that this thing is wearing, it's like a combination of Captain Pike and, like you said before, aluminum foil and heating ducts. You yeah. know, it's and, and the Tin Man. I mean, I can see where people look down upon this movie, but it actually is a fun movie. <laughs> but anyway... Back to the thing. So now they're nude <laughs> with these bearskin robes on them, and he's going to help them get more comfortable. Okay. And in reality, he's planning on freezing them. And they show a, a line of previous runners who were looking for sanctuary all frozen nude as well in these basically these you know ice bricks and his job is to secure food he says and in reality they're gonna be mixed in with the food for the city with all the plankton and seafood right that's the implication it's kind of of a weird little thing yeah we don't know for sure if this is a malfunctioning robot that's doing weird stuff on its own and thinks he's creating food or is he doing this for real for the city yeah my bet is that they don't realize how the city works and the implications and it's like Soylent Green. They're people. <laughs> this is how they run the city. You know, the, the power, it seems, comes from the sea. The food comes from some of the people who ran. You know, who knows? Maybe it's just supplementing. Yeah, it's it's exactly. It's, uh, you know. Or maybe the robot is completely berserk and doing crap yeah. on its own. So they get themselves out of it. They wind up having a fight. There's a little gun play involved. And um, and they escape finally. Move on to the next. And the, the way they, and where they escape, which is a little weird. They wound up going down, but they run a little bit and they're out. They sense this heat this warmth and there's melting and there's a crack in the cave and they're outside now we know what outside is and we see it and we see the sun right these people have no idea they don't realize what they are but in reality they're out of their domed environment and right. now they're out in the real in the real world and water. we don't really know we know this is in the 23rd century but we really don't know where or what's going on and they just start exploring trying to figure out where this sanctuary could be maybe there is no sanctuary this is all a big ruse there's nobody else out here it's just us and finally there's a bit of a surprise and I think we've discussed this before on how the Planet of the Apes surprise and the little reveal of where they are and this has a similar thing and I think after, it's more, this is more like a third act yeah reveal. after 35 years I don't feel like I'm spoiling anything here but it turns out they're walking and we know they're in Washington D.C. Right, you see and it's a very rundown pieces overgrown. of monuments we see, we see the Washington Monument we see the Great Mall and they're walking and they're continuing on their way and they wind up at the Lincoln memorial and what's significant about this is besides i mean it lincoln looks like a man just like we know him as lincoln but they've never seen anybody that old and they see lincoln the statue of lincoln with the beard the old craggly face and that's as much of a shock to them as the fact that there's they're outside someplace (laughs) else that that's what's so weird but they continue along and they wind up at the capitol and you know they meet up with an old man 
And they, again, they don't know who this person is. This old man is living as a recluse with a lot of cats in the capital. The capital is home. And he alludes to the fact that, you know, he was born there and he grew up with his parents. He doesn't know how old he is. He knows he's been there all his life yeah. and he's and just there. He doesn't, and they don't know what parent. They're like, what do you mean parents? You knew your parents? You knew your mother and father? And she's like, yeah, <laughs> I buried them. So it's kind of interesting how that plays out, that they're learning that there's more to life. This isn't just about sanctuary. But this is a is, whole different dynamic. That right, they, The thing is also that when they reach the outside and they're interacting now with this guy, the movie changes gears completely. It's a completely different vibe from inside the city and outside the city. It's almost like a different movie in terms of how jarring it is that these people are interacting in such a foreign location to them you know as opposed to what they're normally used to which is everything happening in the city everything brought to them everything being there at their leisure now they're outside kind of fending from themselves in a way i think it was very exciting for me when i saw that because that same year i had visited washington dc for the first time so these were places i had just been and i'm like i said i'm only eight years old so i didn't have a lot of frame of reference but it was really weird it's like i was there and like you almost want to get excited and <laughs> tell people in the theater. But, you know, I continued watching and it turns out that they were continued to be followed by Francis, the other Sandman. The Sandman. And he is a loyal friend to Logan, but he realizes something fishy is going on and he's kind of trying to save Logan and blame it on Jessica, that Jessica must have tried to like lure him into this and, you know, screw with his head or a little bit like that. And they wind up fighting and Francis gets killed. Right. He Well, he, he tries to tell them all these things about how things are yeah, different. Yeah, and they try to convince him, look live, at his palm. But his... he's completely phased out. He doesn't care. He wants to do his job and that's what he's going to do. Yeah. Francis tries to stick to it, but as soon as he sees his palm, he realizes, no, 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 this must be be a setup something fishy that's when the fight gets into high gear and you know francis you know he has to die and they bury him and they realize look they have to go back because other people will just continue to come if francis made it that far more people will come they've got to go and convince them that there really isn't a sanctuary there's outside and if you can make it outside you can live longer for whatever that's worth but you don't have to die that's the revelation that logan finds out and since he was you know commissioned to do this there is no sanctuary he figures he'll go back he'll let them know well there's probably corruption like in any society because it seems as soon as he gets back, he tries to say, you can live. Don't hey, go everybody. to, don't go to uh, you know, Carousel. You can live. There's no sanctuary. It's a big ruse. Listen to us. Well, they whisk him away pretty fast. <laughs> like the guy who has the cure to cancer. Apparently, there's no money in the cure. The money is telling people we're trying to cure and so he goes back he tries to convince the city computer look there's no sanctuary it doesn't exist it's a ruse we've been outside and you know it's a little bit of a science fiction ending you get the weird light show some explosions and the computer can't handle it because it's beyond its programming and it just basically destroys the central computer system and everybody kind of comes out and they meet the old man and they see him and at the wow. end at the end people realize and like the girls can see him and touch his beard and that they realize okay now I'm not sure that's a happy ending because these are people who have been used to been giving everything <laughs> they're gonna start their, their life is there for pleasure and sex and drugs and food and you know fun and now they're gonna have to live and you know I'm sure there's gonna be some implications on that the thing is also that granted this is science fiction it's fantasy you know but to me when you get to the point where okay the plan is we're going back outside and we're going to just tell people of this wonderful thing we have that's a pretty bad plan 
And then the fact that the computer just cannot handle the overload of data in his head of what he's seen or whatever, that makes him beat the computer. Yeah. Again, it's kind of like a quick ending. It's kind of like, yeah, yeah, whatever. It doesn't matter. We're, we're going to win. It's over. It didn't seem too thought out or, or too realistic, too convincing that this is the way to convince your people to come out and win or whatever it is. It's got a fun look to it. It's definitely dated. There's been talk for years of a remake, kind of like yeah. the same, again, back to the Planet of the Apes. They're going to remake Every it. They're going to remake then. it. Now they finally did remake the Planet of the Apes. I think it's closer to a Logan's Run remake. It's just, you know, it's, it's hard to say what I prefer not to because I like the charm of it. Now, same. as dated as it looks, it did win Best Special Effects that year, yeah. 1976. Until, Again, and, and had, Star they, Wars, had they known what was the year away, people would <laughs> have been like, lunch, let's save it. Let's, yeah, the effects kind of are big studio effects yeah. of the day. You know, rear projection type things to me, and uh, uh, what's more light the, effects. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. To me, the most memorable thing is the In the Dome activity you know the futuristic stuff that was my favorite part i'm not a big fan of once they get out i mean i did like the connections with the monuments because that's like planet of the apes he yeah. kind of like woo. but again this is a third act surprise not a not end a of the film surprise so once you get to the capital and you're dealing with the old man and the planets to go back in it's kind of like yeah whatever i don't you know i lost a little bit of interest in the movie but even within the city there's a whole bunch of weird stuff and we touched upon it a little bit before this is a pg film that this is obviously pre pg-13 and when they they deal with the subject of there's a little nudity here or there. There's that sex shop, whatever yeah, you want to call it, which is like, what the hell are we watching? Here? I had to fast it happened forward to, it. Yeah, nowadays my, I had my kid watching. It's it. barely anything now. You see that almost on regular TV. But it's just but weird. As a little kid, I remember my parents thinking, uh oh, maybe they should send Oops. me for popcorn or something. But it came and it went. You know, a few years later, I was seeing Saturday Night Fever with the whole rape scene. So that's when they definitely sent me to get popcorn. Go get the popcorn. <laughs> now, do you remember this film? I mean, other memorable things about it obviously the music is something I know you music like. I love Jerry Goldsmith, Jerry Goldsmith music big, and that big name that holds up as far as an orchestration and there's some futuristic type sounds in it if you listen to the soundtrack which is kind of hard to get but the love shop is that weird sci-fi kind of thing but the orchestration I think keeps it grounded now did the movie do you remember if there was any merchandising or anything that was made off this movie I recall that there was not really merchandise for this but it turns out there was a spin-off a TV show came out shortly after as a result of Star Wars. And I think companies started scrambling, saying, well, what do we have? And uh-oh, we've got this Logan's Run. Let's make it. So that was awful. Speaking of the TV series, from what I understand, it has been put on DVD. So have you had a chance to look at it? Yeah. I love Logan's Run, as we've been discussing. But yeah. I can't say anybody should buy this. <laughs> I mean, maybe you can rent it, borrow it from your library. But this really wasn't a good series when it aired, and I think they knew it. Gregory Harrison was the... Uh, <laughs> the Logan character? Was the Logan character. And while they tried to do a really cheapo version of the movie in the pilot, when they wind up outside, they, again, talk about a creepy robot. It's not as creepy as Box, but they have a humanoid-type robot who's wearing a green Sandman-type outfit, but he looks like us. In fact, Donald Moffat played Rem a robot that they made up that travels with them in this hover car. A pretty big actor still these days. Yeah, I mean, clear and present danger, he played the president. So it's really bad, and I think they did it because they have it and they might make some money on fans like me, but it wasn't good then, and it's not any better now. It really feels like third-rate 70s sci-fi. They had a brand, and they were trying to cash in on it. So the uniforms are the same. The Dome City pictures are the same, but they're basically stock footage. Oh, yeah. And they basically reworked the 
movie to fit their new world and how they wanted to do it. It was a little goofy. And I'm disappointed. It's one of those things, like I said, you want it to hold up. But since I didn't have much respect for it when I first saw it, I'm not that disappointed how it turned out. Do you remember watching this live? Yeah. Yeah, it was a big thing. Because Logan's Run was a big movie when it came out. Then Star Wars came out. And so anything that was science fiction that you liked, you wanted a piece of. So CBS would run the movie. And because it was only two years old at the time, so it was still a big deal to watch it on CBS. There was no HBO <laughs> and things like that. So when they realized they could get a series out of it to compete in the Star Wars era, I watched it. I was in. But it was not good. It only lasted a handful of episodes, barely a season, and some of them didn't even get aired. It's just terrible. Mm. And as a result of that, there was some merchandising. There was some Mego-style figures. Oh, wow. But, and, but uh, based on the TV show you're talking about, they, right? Yeah, they had the look of the real characters, and they were called Logan and Jessica, but they were based on more of the Gregory Harrison look. The other stuff, there were some fan-produced guns, which I remember at some of the conventions I went to in the early 80s, I always wanted one. Or in the back of Starlog, they gave you oh, blueprints yeah. of how to make the Battlestar Galactica <laughs> gun or the Logan's Run type gun, but it was just something, I mean, I was not, you know, ever going to be able to get my hands on. Now you could probably find a few fan-made ones that are really wonderful. Now, I would also say in the vein of this type of a film, if you're interested, the type of things I would look for is, for example, George Lucas's THX 1138. You get a little bit of that utopian society, very controlled, very mind control, drugs, and people trying to get away from that whole type of thing. And a more modern film that I strongly recommend, which is a very underrated film, I think it's The Island. That has a There's lot a of lot similarities of this in this it. without it being a direct remake. Uh, a remake, yeah. I guess you get away with remaking it without giving... The ending was credit. a little different, the type of, the reasoning of what they were there for, but, but there but is yeah, a twist. Definitely, yeah. definitely, if you like one, check out the other. Right, you have, a, like I said, THX is more of an art film, you could call it, because it's based on a student film that was then remade as a somewhat of a big budget movie, yeah. studio production, but it does have an artsy flavor to it with Robert Duvall as in it, you know, pretty big name not a big guy at the time that it was made but the island is Ewan McGregor pretty and big Scarlett movie. Johansson so you know those are some pretty big Hollywood names and I think it's a uh, Michael Bay film so you're talking about big action big special effects but like James said before Logan's Run is one of these films that every now and then especially nowadays where it's almost like the same way reality television has taken over a lot remakes and reboots are nowadays are happening every five minutes and this is one of these films that every now and then you hear a little blip of so-and-so is yep. interested and somebody's for a while for a while matt damon is attached to something you know and this and that and whoever the big name youngish actor matt damon's you know 45 now or something so he won't be playing a young logan but i keep hearing that they want to be more loyal to the book and you know there were some spin-offs over the years of it in the comics world and stuff so it, it hasn't totally disappeared you know it hasn't held up it's not a star wars it's almost like there's pre-star wars you know <laughs> bc and ad right if you were before star wars very little of sci-fi is revered except for maybe 2001. 2001 was the last big blip before Star Wars. Yeah. And then there are other good things. It just, they get forgotten about. And then after Star Wars, it's almost as every science fiction movie is like, it's no Star Wars. Or or it got (laughs) sold as the next Star Wars and, you know, very rarely did that hold up. Now, you still might recognize some of the names. Michael York still worked after this. Yeah, He appeared on many television shows. He was on Sequest, even. He's Austin Powers' Basil Expedition. Expedition. 
losing his, his boss. boss. Uh, so he, he still shows up every now and then. Some of the other actors have died. Peter Ustinov died. Richard Jordan died, who also was a big television actor. But again, this is one of these films that don't be surprised because sooner or later, somebody's going to green light this remake or reboot or something. And it'd be interesting to see how they could redo it. Plus, the latest I've heard in terms of somebody who might be attached to a possible remake of Logan's Run is the director of the current film Drive, Nicholas Winding Ref. Also attached is his star from that film, Ryan Gosling, which is a very unusual combination, if you ask me, because you're talking about a straight sci-fi film, and this guy is a very artsy kind of director. I mean, Gosling, it doesn't surprise me because, you know, he's kind of like a pretty boy you know, flavor of the month type of actor. But what they did on Drive is very different. And for a sci-fi film, it would be a very interesting take on that subject matter. And, you know, like I said before, you want to see something similar, go to THX or go to uh, the island. So any final thoughts, James? No, like I said, I don't look forward to any remakes. When I hear that, it kind of upsets me. Maybe because this is one of the early movies I saw and I looked fondly on and it's like, you know, I don't want it to change it or I don't want the other one to be looked down upon or forgotten. So I'm not really excited about hearing remakes. But, you know, every couple of years I put this in. I like the sounds, the music, the effects, and you know I remember a lot of it. So it's just one of those favorites that I keep going back to. I'll give you one final comparison in terms of if you want to see something like this. I would say on the comedy side, look for Woody Allen's Sleeper. Yeah. There's a lot of that low budget special effect looking stuff that kind of shows up here and like the makeup and this and that. A lot of stuff kind of shows up the same. A lot of white. White, white, <laughs> white is the way to go because you can hide a lot in white. <laughs> but I would strongly recommend that one. And another memorable thing I remember about this film, especially in the opening sequence where they're showing you the city, the little cars that are traveling by are little round ball yeah, looking. It would, and if you look carefully, they're actually ball bearings rolling on a track. And that's the trick. It was a miniature that they put a lot of effort into, but it wasn't a miniature. It was probably as big as a gymnasium, oh. this whole set. Well, because it was miniature but, photography. They have you know, to do a big set. Yeah, but it, that particularly doesn't hold up when it mixes <laughs> with the live action stuff. You can kind of get a vibe like, wait a minute, that water just looks a little too calm or whatever. You figure it's indoors. It's not like it's a tide or anything like that. It's more like a reflecting pool. But that stuff you can see. It makes Buck Rogers look like Star Wars as far <laughs> as I'm concerned. But I would like to once again thank James for suggesting this particular film and going through it because it's one of these, again, it's not exactly a blockbuster memorable film, but it does have a place you know, on the genre of science fiction. And it does influence other things and other things I'm sure has been influenced by it. And it's definitely worth taking a look at when you guys have a chance. So on behalf of everybody here, I would like to thank you for joining us here on GeekFest Rants. See you here next time.
Stop.